Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, Just for Ages 0 to 8. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood experts, Rachel Robertson and Claire Goss, and make the most out of every chance to teach play and love. Did you have a favorite book as a child? Perhaps you remember reading with a loved one or special teacher? In this episode of Teach, Play, Love, Rachel and Claire discuss why reading to your child is so important and how to make story time a memorable bonding and learning experience. Hey Claire, how are you today? I'm good. I'm really excited that we're recording in person yes. together today instead of on, nice. on the virtual camera as yes. we usually do. So yes. this is great. It is nice to be together, to have a nice background full of books, which we're about to talk about. Yeah, that's our topic for today. And books and literacy is something that we are both very passionate about. You and I have a lot of overlapping interests mm-hmm. as early educators, but this is one that we're both really passionate about. Um, I've been reading... My whole life, I've been read two since the minute I was born. My mom was also an educator, so she was big on books in our house as Mm -hmm. a kid. And the book that I remember hearing on repeat, probably ad nauseum for my mom, was The Pokey Little Puppy. It was a golden book. Mm -hmm. Remember that one? I do remember it, and I'm going to guess you're thinking about your mom is correct, because (laughs) one of my children loved The Pokey Little Puppy. And the repetition in that book, while I understand the value... I did not want to talk about that roly poly puppy going down the hill one oh more gosh. time, but if I skipped it, I was called out for that. Yes, so I, sometimes I had to hide that book. Yeah, that, that one kind of disappeared sometimes in my house, but I'd find it. and It was like a treasure. So mm-hmm. I, I heard that one a lot. What about you? What was your favorite book when you were a kid? I remember the book Ferdinand so much. I don't I know that why book. that one stuck out to me so much and wh- where it came from in my childhood, but I just, I, I kind of still really like an underdog and I think Ferdinand was kind of an underdog not playing by the rules just wanted to sit there peacefully and smell the flowers I've never even seen the movie because yeah. I didn't want it to ruin my childhood memories of the book so I've been real attached to that one for a long time yeah so you I know have been passionate about books your whole life too we even have a book behind us mm-hmm. with your byline on it mm-hmm. This is something you've been pretty dedicated to. Yeah, I think there's a couple things I can point to in my childhood that got me really interested in books. First, both of my parents are also educators, so we had books all over our house. Books were in the living room as part of the decor, so it wasn't something behind the scenes or just in bedrooms or on a side table or something you did when you had time. You made time for it. And I think that we know, and we'll talk about this a little bit more, but we know that having books in the house is one of the most important thing and things that parents can do for their young children to yeah. foster that early love of reading, which leads to all sorts of good literacy things. So there was that. We also spent a year when I was in elementary school in another country, and so we didn't have mm-hmm. access to English-speaking television. This is also before cable, so there, even if we did, I think Dallas, the show Dallas, <laughs> and like Baywatch maybe were on, but they were in a different language, so we really didn't have access to any television or even music that we were familiar with, so we just read. We just read books, and we were in the library every single week, yeah. week and so I read a lot. And then also in my grade school, I had a special enrichment that was called the Writing Center. Mm. And we got to go in there with Mrs. Thames, if she's still around and if she hears this. And she oh. taught us how to make books and um, on typewriters and laminators, which Ooh. was really exciting. So just the materials and yeah. being trusted to be a writer and have a story. 
And I won a blue ribbon at the state fair. Oh. So I think all of those things together in my early years helped me see one, books are something to really enjoy. Yeah. And I can be, I can be, books can be, writing can be part of who I am, my identity and my yeah. career. And of course, that has led to them being a part of my identity yeah. and career. But it wasn't something pushed on me and forced on me. I wasn't doing it just to get the prize or the incentive. Mm-hmm. I learned to love it. And I say that because we know that that's what we need first before we get yeah. our kids reciting letters and understanding that letters make sounds and that they lead to words. We yeah. have to let kids just love reading mm-hmm. and see their parents reading and just incorporate it in your life. So super yeah. important. So making it part of your family culture. That's yep. definitely how it was in my house too. We had books all over the house. We had books in the bathroom. We had books in our bedrooms, in the family room. We had books at the kitchen table sometimes. Yep. I mean, they were just everywhere. Yeah. And being allowed, and I made sure that this was the case when raising my own kids too. This is something that you are encouraged to handle, mm-hmm. sometimes mishandle within some, some direct guide yep. about how, how to better handle the books, yeah. but just making it part of your everyday life. And we know that too, research shows us that one of the single most important things you can do to encourage reading skills and literacy skills with your young children is to read aloud to them yes. and read with them. And what does that look like for an infant or a, a newborn, right? Like I, I, I often remind my friends who are having babies, like I give them those baby shower mm-hmm. books. I give mm-hmm. board books to four-week-old babies. And it's like sometimes I get like a little smirk from the new parents like, oh, yeah, they're really going to enjoy this one as they're falling asleep. And I say, yeah, they really will enjoy it as they're falling asleep. Yep, yep, they totally will. Their little brains are busy making yeah. neural connections and that reading to them is so important. It's... We know that good connection you have between a baby and a parent or an adult is really important, and that can be fostered through story time, hearing that vocabulary. There's a type of way adults talk to babies that can happen, whether just having a conversation or reading that's really good for babies that they're chimed into. So very, very important. I give books all the time, too, for gifts. Yeah. Um, And I think, you know, infant books are sturdy. You were just talking about books being in poor repair. It's okay if they chew on them. That's how they learn about the world. That's how babies are figuring things out. They start with their senses. It tear on and pull on them. Teach children how to care for books versus take books out of their life. So they treasure them. So they feel important to them. That Maybe you have a book repair kit. We have those in our child care programs. Yeah. Oh, the book tour, how do we fix that instead of putting it aside and that's something you can only touch once in a while? Right. You really, just by the fact of that you're putting it in front of them and letting them handle the books and that you teach them how to care for them yeah. and treat them as something important, that yeah. alone will foster just a, a reverence for reading and a reverence Absolutely. for books. Absolutely. These are really valuable parts of a home and a classroom and my, and my car. We don't go anywhere without books in the car. I mean, they're everywhere. Well, we should point out, too, that we're talking about books, like ones you can hold. And right. Touch. And <laughs> right. so the, there's lots of books on a tablet or mm-hmm. some kind of, I want to say e-reader, but I think that's not a thing anymore, maybe, and that's going to date <laughs> me, but I said it anyway. So whatever it is, whatever you'd read a book on that's digital, just to note that there is a place and time for that. However, children learning to love books and love reading. Yeah. And to learn to read, it is much better done with a physical book because of all the sensory inputs and the handling it, even the page turning encodes it in a different way. 
So we really have to advocate for real books that you can get your hands on, whether you get them from the library or a bookstore or secondhand, whatever it is, they're much better for early yeah. readers. And every library has that repair kit as well. So they, they don't yeah. they don't blanch mm-hmm. when you come back with a, with a page torn, they'll fix mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just touched on something that I want to draw out a little bit, which is what else children are learning. So I'm, we're, you know, this podcast mm-hmm. is for parents of young kids. We're talking about that under five-year-old, under eight-year-old crew today. Um I still am a reader now, but so in on top of those infants, toddlers, preschoolers learning how to read, can we talk about what else they're learning yeah. in those moments? Yeah. So I think just knowing that books are a vehicle to learning in any type of category or topic or domain mm-hmm. is important. So whether maybe you're having a social challenge, maybe you're it's the first time your child is going to the dentist or a doctor. Find a book for that. We refer to those sometimes as social stories. Mm -hmm. Social stories can be very literal, like step one, you're going to do this. Step two, you're going to do this. This is how this is going to work. This is who you're going to meet. But you can use other books as a social story. There's a lot of character books that somebody's going to the dentist and they're nervous about maybe their first shots or maybe they haven't um, ever had a sleepover before. I always talk about that book, Iris Sleeps Over. I remember my parents reading that to me before sleepovers. So you help a child prepare for and see another character that they can relate to going through a social situation. So that's a very good use of literature. Mm -hmm. You can also teach about emotions and perspective and empathy. You can even take you can take any of these books that we have and turn it into a social emotional learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. You can say, what do you think that character's thinking about? How does it feel from their perspective? What about this different character, this character Mm -hmm. over here? You can talk about prediction. You can talk about anticipation. Yeah. What's going to happen next? What are the f- context clues we have to decide? What do you think they're going to decide? Yeah. What do you think the next part of the story is going to be? There's math. There's looking for patterns. There's anything you want you can find in the pages of a children's book. So what you just covered is literacy, like actually learning phonics, mm-hmm. learning the sounds of things, learning left to right, turning pages, which is fine motor skills. Yeah. We covered critical thinking skills. Um, empathy building, feelings, vocabulary, creativity, imagination. It's all covered. It's all, it's all covered through story One time. book. One book with your child does all that. And, all that. and if you have a routine, then you've also built in some sort of structure and predictability for young children and they can transition. So if yeah. every single night you have two to three stories, that helps them transition, that helps you with the social situation, and then you're using this treasured story time as a moment to connect, but also help your child physically and mentally take themselves from one part of the day to the next part of the day, instead of it being such a challenge, which it can be without any kind of routine there. Did you know that you can get the Teach Play Love brand of learning for your preschooler every day? The very people you trust for parenting advice are behind our Bright Horizons preschool program. Learning adventures that inspire kids to reach their unique potential. One-of-a-kind preschool for your one-of-a-kind kid. That's Bright Horizons. Enrollment is happening now. Visit brighthorizons.com to find a center near you. So that's, I mean, we've covered all these really good benefits. So now you know what I like to do. I like to throw in some strategies. So for any parents or caregivers that are listening right now are thinking, great, that sounds great. Mm -hmm. Except that my kid doesn't like story time. My kid doesn't like to sit for books. I can't get him interested in that. I have a whole basket on the floor and he never picks them up. That's what another, I wanted to tap into mm-hmm, your mm-hmm. 
very vast set of expertise with this, Rachel, um, because you were a classroom teacher for so long. This is actually a skill. Doing a good story time, a fun, engaging story time with young kids, it's not always easy. It's mm-hmm. not always simple. It can be challenging, just like anything else with a young child, like putting on your shoes and getting your right. coat, anything else. It's always Sometimes it doesn't go as well as we want it to, but there are things that we can do to encourage it. And by doing that, I hope that we can convince all of our listeners to make this part of a routine. If yeah. we can give you some of the tips that we've learned from years and years of sitting on the floor reading books to our kids, our own children, and all the children we've taught. And I know you've got a bunch of tips. And I will really quickly, I'll just tell you this anecdote, Rachel, which is that when I was getting my master's degree, I had a, I might have told you this story already. I had a professor who we were going through learning all about different stages of development. And then we came into a classroom one day, we sat down and she had put children's board books in front of each of our tables. And she said, you're going to turn to your partner and you're going to read that story to your partner and your partner's 18 months old. And then she said, oh, and then a timer went off. She said, okay, now you're going to turn to your partner and you're that part, and now your partner's four years old. And she challenged, she walked around the room mm-hmm. and she said, and she noticed how we were all changing the way. Mm-hmm. And I was, so I was trained to do this. And I don't think the typical parent gets that training. I know they don't get that training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, and we get it in the classroom all the time. That's, you know, in the field training. Right. So that's what I wanted to help families with today is let's make this more fun and engaging and, and learn, talk a little bit about things that we can be doing to make it more fun. Yeah. I mean, all those things you already said, I know you have a lot of ideas too. It's just, it's trying, getting yourself in a place where you're valuing what story time is doing mm-hmm. versus enduring story time. Yes. So I, I mean, I definitely endured a couple of rounds of Pokey Little Puppy. <laughs> Good Night Moon had to go away for a while. Like some Good of night. them, it's just like, I yeah. can't, I just yeah. can't. And and you can do things like, we're going to read this book that you love so much three times. Is tonight one of those times or you want to save it to tomorrow? So you can put some structure around mm-hmm. that. You don't have to do it every single night. Or you can save two two stories a night. And if you want me to read this twice, I will do that. Or we can have two different books. You know, you can you can give some choices. Yeah. Helping children make decisions and choices is also mm-hmm. a really good thing. So you can use story time great to help tip. you with that. That's a great tip. Know that the repetition is really good for children. They learn something new in each repetition, but they are learning to predict. They are learning to feel comfortable with their world. They feel really successful if they can guess what's on the next page and they're right about it. They They don't even have to read. I have a lovely video of my now 25-year-old reading a book to me when she was three. She wasn't reading, but we had read it so many times that she could basically read it back to me. But I could hear what was important to her. I could Mm -hmm. understand what was funny to her. I could understand where she had been paying attention went with her reading it back to me. And that came from all that repetition. So just know that's a good thing, as as hard as it can be. it depends on how many children you're reading to at once. But one of the things we do in our classrooms is telling, spending all your time with classroom management, behavior management versus reading is not reading. That's an ineffective strategy. So be interesting. Be an interesting mm. reader. If they don't want to listen at that time, that's okay. Be ready for that. Maybe it's a new book and you're really excited about reading it. And if they're ready to do something else... It's okay. It's yeah. their moment. To, it's You don't have to try to get through. You're not here to get through the book. You're here to engage them in a love of reading mm-hmm. and having joy from reading. So I we use whispering or like a loud voice or mm. use all your silly different voices or assign voices to characters. Be an interesting reader. Have good inflection and pace. Ask questions 
and leave time for answers. So story time is not 10 minutes because that's how many pages the book has. Right. Story time is probably going to be a half hour if you're really engaged with Did you notice there's a mouse in the corner? What is that (laughs) mouse thinking about? I just noticed it. That's a whole conversation fostered by the book. You want to do those kinds of things. You don't want to lose that just so you can turn the page Mm -hmm. and see and try to get through to the end so you can say goodnight for the night. So pick your timing too. You know, don't start that mouse, what's the mouse doing conversation if you don't have time for it (laughs) either. Absolutely right. I love what you said about playing with your voice a little bit to get their attention Mm -hmm. and to get them excited and engaged. And I know not everyone is into that like, like character voice thing. It doesn't have to be a different accent for every character. Mm -hmm. It can just be what you said. This well, this person talks really quiet, and this person has a kind of a silly. You know, it doesn't have to be anything. I'm just nodding along with you, like I'm in your story. Yeah, now. right, exactly. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't you just? But see how you lean yeah. forward when I change my voice. So, you can change the urgency, the pace, the timing, exactly. the, the tone of your voice. All that stuff works so well for for children. Um, and you already mentioned this when we were talking about the benefits of reading. But just we th- we talk a lot at Bright Horizons about um, fostering thinking and learning skills mm-hmm. with children. And reading books, and I'm talking about with your one-year-old, you're talking, you can just, if they want to just sit and look at the pictures and they point at something and you just label it for them mm-hmm. and say, what do you see? Where's the apple on this page? Mm-hmm. I wonder where that, where's that mouth? I mean, that's reading. Mm-hmm. You're not, maybe you're not following every single line of text that the author has so painfully put on the page mm-hmm. for you, mm-hmm. but that still counts as story time if you're sitting with your one-year-old and just looking at the pictures, talking about mm-hmm. the pictures labeling things, asking questions, being analytical together, mm-hmm. making observations. And and some good thinking questions are important mm-hmm. and open-ended questions. What do you think? What do you think that person's thinking about? What would you do in this situation? I wonder what's going to happen next versus what color is a banana or yeah. what what shape is that hat? You can do some of that, yeah. but that is a yes, no. Yep. Where's the triangle on this page? I can point that out. Okay, that yep. you know, there's some goodness to that, but that's not where you should spend most of your time mm-hmm. because you can spend, you can do that anywhere using the characters that this child will relate to is really important. And so uh, one thing about children's books writing is that most of children's books, the child character, whether it's an animal or an actual child, is the hero of the story. That's actually most children won't read a book that the adult solves the problems. So you can notice that in children's books and you can see that's one of the reasons children identify with those characters and want to see what they can do because they have their own agency and they're able to solve their problems at the end of the day, Mm -hmm. whether it's corduroy finding his button or it's someone figure having a successful visit to the doctor's office whatever yeah. it is it's that child character that saves the day or solves their problems so yeah. that's why children really relate to that so let them relate to that use that character connection fo- to foster the learning and the discussion you want to have rather than spend time on things that are just kind of like a right right or wrong answer or yes no again you can do some of those things and, and some books are created to do that but if all you're doing is find the you're losing the power of the book absolutely and I like the whole just infusing it with curiosity so Mm -hmm. and a lot of that has to do with like you said not rushing through the book to get to the end so you can get to bedtime so you can get to your couch right I've been there I've been that parent but just even again with 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 your preschoolers and k prep and and five and six year olds they're going to want to do this anyway when you pause and say I wonder what's going to happen next I'm curious about what Mm -hmm. that character's thinking 
they're going to have an answer. If you pause and ask and then wait again for them to respond. Mm -hmm. And you can do this even with your, with your infants and toddlers, you can start building that pacing into your reading. So you're, your nine-month-old is not going to respond in a full... Like, if you pause and say, I wonder what's going to happen next mm-hmm. to this character, mm-hmm. your nine-month-old's not going to respond with a sentence. Yep. But if you just pause for a second, wait a beat, wait a beat, I wonder what's going to happen next. Hmm, maybe. And you can kind of narrate it for them at first. But what happens is they're hearing that since infancy and toddlerhood. And then by the time you get to five and six years old, you've got a child who's got a lot of ideas about things and a lot of natural curiosities that now you've fostered mm-hmm. just by reading these books with them every night. Yep. It's amazing the skill set mm-hmm. that comes out of this. Yeah, and you can really expose them to different... You want to make sure that things are culturally authentic about other mm-hmm. countries or about other cultures or just other places, parts of the world, of things that they don't know about, things that are not something that you do in your family all the time. Could be even that you live in Chicago and you're reading a book about New York City, whatever it be. You live on a farm and you're reading about skyscrapers. It's just something different. They can learn a lot about the world through books. I want to mention one last thing, and this is very intentional in my the last children's book I wrote called Beginners Are Brave, in that there's a sub two things. There's a sub story going on. So we Mm -hmm. I worked with the illustrator to write to draw that sub story. So there's a dog, like I was saying, that mouse. There's a dog doing a lot of things. So the dog is reacting to what the story is going on. So we very intentionally did illustrations that would allow for this kind of conversation that I'm suggesting people do is don't just pay attention to the main story. Look for the side story. Look for what else is happening going on in the book. So a lot of authors and illustrators will do some of that intentionally, but you can also find it yourself. But the other thing I did very intentionally that I look for in children's books is to not decrease the level of words you use Mm. because of the level of the reader because most children's books an adult is going to be involved if a child needs help with that so children can be exposed to new language and new vocabulary new ways to express themselves if we put those words in there and an author that I like quite a bit use the term juicy words and so now I say that word all the time is like (laughs) something you know like it's like instead of like great why don't we say stupendous it's okay four and five year olds can have a ton of fun with that word trying to say that word. so I put in words like kumquat and acrobat and stupendous to play with those words to have Mm -hmm. a little fun literary fun with those words but also to give them to children so they can grow their interest in language and grow their vocabulary and I'd love to see little kids if you ask them how their day was saying stupendous I mean so if <laughs> anyone's doing that and you've and read the book will. you're welcome they'll, they will use the vocabulary yes, and they'll, they they'll, they'll trip on it in their mouth a little bit yes. but I agree there's nothing they cuter will. than that yep. yep I was in a classroom recently and the children were talking about how something was benevolent and I'm like what book did this just come out of and that's so impressed with that teacher and they were using it correctly they're using it correctly so yeah, yeah. they can yeah. handle they can handle the vocabulary yeah. they can um another tip this isn't a tip this is like a lifestyle I would say which is please make story time joyful mm-hmm. if you feel you're sitting down and bringing your crummy day into it or you've got stress or you're feeling really reactive to your child's behavior in that moment whoo time to take a little break take a time to take a break from story time for a second do something maybe you need to stand up and take shake your sillies out maybe to have a five second dance party maybe you need to lay on the floor and do a spread eagle and do belly breaths together good modeling Good modeling. Okay. All yeah. those things are fine. If, if anyone's having a crummy time during story time, it's time to just take a, take a beat because we want this to be joyful. That is how you end up 
with, I know it's hard to imagine your young children being teenagers and adults someday, but I really am, this is like one of the few things I feel like I did it. I made this a joyful thing and now I have a 15 year old who just said last night, she came into my room at 10.30 p.m., which is so late. <laughs> and she said, mom, I need to go to the library this week. I'm out of books. And it was just like, I know. I did it. Yeah. I made a reader. I did it, Rachel. <laughs> she likes books and she's a teenager. So I was hard work, mm-hmm. but I made that a joyful thing. And now she's a teenager mm-hmm. and she still finds joy mm-hmm. in that. So yeah. both of my girls have been texting me about their most recent books and I love it so <sighs> much. I just love it that they, they took a little pause in high school and I'm like, oh, are we off the being a reader track? But they are back. No, they're back. They, they um, do. They come back to it. And then, you know, let's end with this idea, too, is that you can take stories to the next place. So you can, well, first of all, you can take them with you. So put them in the car, Mm -hmm. put them in a little bag that you're going to bring into restaurants and when you're waiting, and then also put some other things in there. Maybe you're going to put some figurines or some felt Mm. or some fabric or some blocks or whatever. Let that story be extended. Mm. So what's the next step? Can you make believe the characters? Can you play whatever the name of the story is? Can you set up what would they be having if they were out to dinner with us? What would their placemat look like? Instead of some of that kind of quick fix activity, you can turn those books into the activities that not only you get the benefit of the book, but now you've just extended it. During a time that you need an activity, you need something for them to do. Good for when they say I'm bored, get that book out that they love and extend that play, see where it can take them. So you don't just have to read the story that's in the confines of the pages. We call that extending the story. So whatever you would do to take it to the next place, whether you're going to build something indoors, outdoors, doll play, make believe play, you're going to sew something, you're going to make something, just let it see where it goes and let them use their imagination. And you're still building that love of literacy. Oh, it's so fun. Um, I think another really underlying theme that we've touched on here is how reading can build relationships between you and your child. Mm -hmm. This is some really good stuff. It's just a sweet, snuggly, cuddly time where you can really, you're just doing so many things. You're, you're doing all that learning, the literacy, all the learning on thinking and being critical and being curious. And then you're also just having like physical, hopefully some physical connection. And if not, maybe your child doesn't like to sit on your lap during story time. That's okay. You're sitting right near them. They're hearing your voice. Mm-hmm. It's that secure attachment that we know children yeah. need. And, and it's coming through books. Yeah, when people are so busy, this is, if you have to choose how to spend your time with your child and you only have a little bit every day and you're worried about the quality of that time, this is how you make that quality time. It's a sure thing. Sure thing. It's a sure thing quality time moment. So I hope, I really wish I could kind of, go into all the listeners' houses right now and know what books they're going to read and what they're going to try. Yeah. Um, but we, whether it's these books or any of our Growing Readers books from Bright Horizons, and we have a website that you can check out, some book recommendations. But whatever book you use, we hope that these tips help you not only value reading, but experience the joy of reading for yourself and your child. And while you're doing that, you'll get all these extra benefits. As Rachel and Claire just shared, reading books with your children can help them become lifelong readers. Making story time a special daily ritual is an easy way to create treasured childhood memories. Do you need help picking up books for your kids? Check out our Growing Readers program at brighthorizons.com growingreaders. Growing Readers helps to share the joy of reading, cultivate an appreciation for books, and foster early literacy skills. Get parenting advice from Rachel and Claire. You can leave them a voicemail by calling 617-673-8881. 
and your question may be answered in a future episode of Teach, Play, Love. You can also send them an email at teach.playlove at brighthorizons.com. For more expert guidance on early childhood development, check out our family resources at brighthorizons.com. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us. Find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love. And discover parenting as the joy it was meant to be.